Preview Christian Church, thanks for being here with us this morning. We are going to do what we've been doing the past few weeks and begin with reading the Lord's Prayer. So feel free to stand with me as I read the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, and say it along as well. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You can be seated. Well, as we press on in the Lord's Prayer this morning, we have reached the halfway point with verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, that sounds simple enough, doesn't it? What is there to explain? Verse 11 is not nearly as high-minded, theologically dense, and loaded with significance as verses 9 and 10 were. So you might think. In those verses, we talked about the deep biblical truths of how sinners like us can come to call God our Father, thanks to Jesus Christ. We covered the humility with which we approach God in prayer, since he is in heaven and we are on earth. We discussed our calling and our responsibility to hallow God's name with our words and with our deeds. We explored the tension between God's kingdom having already come, in one sense, with Jesus, while also praying that it would come in the future, when Jesus returns. We said that submitting our wills to God's will is a monumental challenge, something that we pray the Holy Spirit will help us to do. And we talked about heaven, how we long for earth to look more like heaven, ultimately when Christ returns, and how we are called to give the world a preview of heaven through our actions right now. So that's an awful lot of content, verses 9 and 10. But verse 11 It's just a short, simple, practical prayer request. Give us this day our daily bread. What more needs to be said about that? We'll open up to Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Feel free to follow along both here in the room and if you're live streaming. But before we do any reading, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for who you are, for what you've done for us. Thank you for the joy of Sunday morning, Uh, even in this weird time that we're in, uh, a year that many of us would like to forget. Thank you that we still get to be here this morning, whether we're here in the room or whether we're live streaming. Lord, thank you that we have the means, we have the ability to stay connected to you, uh, to stay connected to each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ even when, as Mark said, uh, the world is so fragmented and it feels so separated. Lord, thank you for the privilege of seeing a baptism this morning. Uh, Thank you for Maddie and the work that you've done in her life, her family, her friends, who have all been a part of that work, who you've used to bring this change about in her heart and in her mind. And Lord, we just welcome her to our family of Christ. And Father, I ask that you be with us this morning as we hear from your word. Uh, A verse that seems pretty simple, a verse that's maybe tempting to just read over, 
Uh, Lord, teach us today from your word. Teach us from verse 11 and remind us of our need for you day in and day out. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for just a moment, imagine yourself sitting in someone's living room for a Bible study or maybe sitting in a classroom for Sunday school. You've reached the end of your time together. The coffee was warm. The snacks were fresh. You enjoyed the conversation. The teaching was interesting. And you have been helped, encouraged, and challenged in good ways in your walk with Jesus. All in all, it was a great experience. And as you pack up your things to go home, you're glad that you talked yourself into coming. But then come those dreaded words. These words can strike fear in the hearts of even the most experienced Christian. A chill creeps down your spine as you hear the leader say, Does anyone have any prayer requests? Now you get to leave depressed because you heard about illnesses, deaths, financial hardships, and struggling marriages. You have to sit there and listen to someone turn a prayer request for their dog's indigestion into a 10-minute novel. And then another person shares a concern with way too much information that leaves everyone in the room feeling awkward. Well, we may not always like hearing prayer requests, but based on what we read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, God welcomes prayer requests. God does not roll his eyes when his people ask him to meet our needs. He doesn't look at his watch as we pour out our souls. He does not shoo us away before we can unload our fears, our worries, and our lacks. God invites us to ask for his provision. Whether they are big, small, or somewhere in between, Matthew chapter 6 verse 11 gives us permission to vocalize our needs to God. So maybe we should have a little bit of patience. A little more grace next time we think about sneaking out of the room during prayer requests. But before we start writing up our lists, there are a few things to keep in mind. First, it's worth remembering what we read several Sundays ago in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. That God knows what we need before we ask. God knows what we need before we ask. When we ask God to meet our needs, we are not informing him of something that he doesn't know. We're not bringing something to his attention that he overlooked. We're not reminding him of something that he forgot. When we ask God to meet our needs, with the understanding that he already knows what we need, then that prayer is just as much for us as it is for him. When we ask God to give us this day our daily bread, we are reminding ourselves that we are utterly dependent upon God for everything good in this life and the next. We're expressing our confidence that he is powerful to meet our needs. Because if we didn't believe that God could meet our needs, 
then why would we ask to begin with? God already knows what we need before we ask him. But we still pray, give us this day our daily bread. Another thing to keep in mind is that before we issue our prayer requests, it's good to remember who it is that we're speaking to. It's not a coincidence that the entire first half of the Lord's Prayer focuses on God, not us. Worship, adoration, and praise come before our practical requests. Again, God invites us to ask him to meet our needs. He welcomes our requests, even the most simple and practical ones. There is absolutely nothing wrong with asking God to do something. There is nothing wrong with asking God to help you. But first, we honor him. We remind ourselves that we are speaking to God when we pray. He is our heavenly father, the sovereign creator, the perfect king. Not a child we give chores to. Not an errand boy who gets a to-do list. It is a good practice when we pray to hallow God's name before we make our requests. So that's a good start to verse 11. Clearly there is more to say here than we may have expected. God knows what we need before we pray, yet he invites us to ask that he meets those needs. He welcomes our concerns. He encourages us to make requests of him. But that being said, we worship him first. We remember who we're speaking to when we pray. We ascribe the glory that is due his name before we start rattling off requests. But what else can we learn from verse 11? Well, let's focus on Jesus' specific example in that request, the example of bread. Bread was an absolute staple in the ancient world, even more so than it is today, when we can't hardly imagine going to the grocery store without picking up a loaf of bread. But bread was so central to the diets of ancient people that the word may have been used as a kind of catch-all term for food in general. Give us this day our daily bread isn't a request for a side dish to complement the meat and the vegetables. It's not a request for an appetizer before the main course comes out. It's not a request for an unnecessary luxury. Give us this day our daily bread is a request that God provide our most universal and basic means of survival. That God give us food. So when Jesus teaches us to ask God to give us our daily bread, Jesus is not endorsing any and every silly, trivial, or misguided request that we can think of. As one author puts it, we are asking God to give us what we need, not what we want, or even what we think we need, but what God sees our need actually to be. We are asking for God to help us survive not asking for God to give us a Corvette out of the sky. One Old Testament passage that sums this up pretty well is Proverbs chapter 30, starting in verse 7. 
The prayer there says, Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. That sounds a lot like give us this day our daily bread. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Asking God to give us this day our daily bread is to ask him that he meet our needs. Nothing more and nothing less. And speaking of bread, bread had a unique theological and historical significance for Jesus' disciples. In Exodus chapter 16, God miraculously provided bread for the hungry Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness outside of Egypt. Even more specifically, God gave them their daily bread, one day at a time, with the day before the Sabbath as an exception. This day-in, day-out provision was meant to remind the Israelites of their day-in, day-out dependence upon God. When the Israelites went to bed at night with empty pantries, they knew that the only way they would eat the next day was if God came through for them. Wandering in the wilderness, waking up each morning and finding that fresh bread on the ground taught the Israelites to trust God. It taught the Israelites to depend upon God. And wouldn't you know it, God came through day after day after day. So when Jesus tells his disciples to ask that God give us this day our daily bread, when we ask God to meet our basic needs, We are speaking to a God with a track record of doing just that. Our God has already proven himself capable, has already proven himself trustworthy of fulfilling that request. But it's also worth mentioning that in the Bible, believe it or not, with all this talk of bread, some things really are more important than bread. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses speaks to the Israelites near the end of his life as they prepare to enter the promised land. And Moses tells them, Deuteronomy 8, chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 3, And God humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus would later use that phrase. Man does not live by bread alone. As he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. After 40 days of fasting, Satan tried to nudge Jesus into turning a stone into a loaf of bread. But Jesus apparently thought that sin was far worse than physical hunger. Jesus refused to give in to temptation to silence his growling stomach. Jesus would rather starve than disobey his father. Because Jesus knows that man does not live by bread alone. Jesus lived out this prayer perfectly. 
He trusted his father to meet his needs rather than abusing his power to do it himself. And once again, like God did back in the book of Exodus, God came through. So as we move ahead, a few self-critical questions that we may do well to ask ourselves. Question number one. What really are our basic needs for survival? What are our basic needs for survival? Because if we're really being honest, our prayers often sound more like a Christmas list of wants rather than requests for our most basic needs. Now, I'm not saying that we are only allowed to ask God, give us food, water, clothing, and shelter. It's not what I'm saying. God is often generous and kind to his people far beyond those things, far beyond our most basic needs. And when that happens, we should thank him for it. We should accept those gifts with joy. We should strive to steward those gifts wisely. However, it's still worth asking ourselves, what are our true needs? What do we really need? In our hyper-consumeristic society, where we are constantly told that we never have enough, we have become experts at blurring the lines between what we need and what we want. So if we re-examine for just a moment what our true needs are, our prayers might look a little bit different. And we may just end up more content with what God has already provided. If we focus on our needs and not our wants, we may spend more time praising God for what we already have, rather than asking him to give us more. So what are our true needs? Question number two. Do we really trust God to meet our needs? Or do we live as though it is entirely up to us? Now again, a short disclaimer. We should do everything within our power to provide for ourselves. To provide for those who depend upon us. We should not use, give us this day our daily bread... As an excuse to kick our heels up, do nothing, and expect God to bail us out of our laziness. It's not the point of verse 11. But we should also avoid the other extreme. We should never fool ourselves into thinking that we have it all together. And that we don't really need God's help. If this year has taught us anything, hopefully we've learned that we have less control than we think we do. And we are far more dependent upon God than we thought we were. In a world that often prizes self-sufficiency, we must not forget that we as God's people depend upon him at all times, even for our most basic needs. And then finally, do we agree with Jesus' words that some things really are more important than our physical survival. Some things really are more important than bread. If we really believe in eternal life, then physical survival is no longer our highest good. It's no longer our core purpose. 
Glorifying God is our main reason for existence. Worshiping him is our highest good. Honoring him is our core purpose. And that matters more than physical survival. That matters more than bread. And thanks be to God that Jesus did not consider his physical survival more important than obedience to God. If he had, he would not have gone to the cross to die for our sins, and we would have no eternal hope. And that is a fate far worse than hunger. Now, the Bible does have a lot more to say about bread. In John chapter 6, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. He makes it clear that the Father sent him to do more than just feed some hungry crowds who couldn't find food. Jesus came to address a far deeper problem. He came to meet a far greater need. In John chapter 6, Jesus reminds his fellow Jews that those Israelites who ate the bread from heaven in Exodus 16, as great as it was, they did still eventually die. But the bread that Jesus offers himself leads to eternal life for all who believe in him. He says in John chapter 6, verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus would ultimately fulfill those words on the cross. And ironically, we remember that cross by eating bread. Every time we take communion, we're reminded that God has already met our most pressing need. By providing the perfect sacrifice for our sins, Jesus Christ. Jesus continues, John chapter 6, starting in verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food. And my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. As we saw back in verse 9, the Lord's Prayer teaches us that God is a good Father and that all who believe in Jesus are His children. And part of being a good Father is meeting your children's most basic needs. God cares for you as a good Father cares for His son or His daughter. So do not be too embarrassed to ask for His help. Do not be too prideful to express your dependence upon him. Do not worry that you're bugging God. 
Do not fear that he doesn't care. Know that he loves you. And don't look down on that person who's constantly sharing prayer requests, both big and small. Because though you might not always want to hear them, God welcomes them. God welcomes their requests and God welcomes your requests. God is powerful enough to meet our physical needs. But even better than that, God has already met our eternal need. He's provided Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. He's provided the Holy Spirit to live within us and sustain us until the day Jesus returns. He's provided scripture to teach us and the church to encourage us. By all means, pour out your prayer request to God. Ask him to give you the things that you need for this life and trust that he has the power to do it. But also, don't forget that your most urgent need has already been met through Christ. Pray that God would give you this day your daily bread. But never forget that you do not live by bread alone. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for your promises in your word. Thank you that you have proven yourself trustworthy. You have proven yourself faithful. Even though sinners like us are often not trustworthy, are often unfaithful, you are always perfectly trustworthy, perfectly faithful. You always keep your word. You always fulfill your promises. And Lord, that gives us hope. That gives us encouragement. That gives us joy. And so, Father, we as a church ask you to give us this day our daily bread. Meet our most basic needs. And, Lord, when you go far beyond our most basic needs, which I think is the case for most of us in this room, help us to praise you. Help us to thank you. Help us to use those gifts that you've given us, those blessings, those luxuries that you've given us. Help us to use them wisely to share them generously, and again, to never depend on them, but always to depend on you. Help us love the giver, not the gift. And Lord, thank you that you not only provide our needs in this life, but far more importantly, quite frankly, you provide our needs for eternal life. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the bread that you have sent down from heaven that doesn't just fill our stomachs, but quenches the hole in our hearts, quenches the needs in our souls, addresses the problem of sin, and reconciles us to you. Father, help us trust you, help us depend upon you for everything that we need, both in this life and in the next. Thank you that you listen to us. Thank you that you hear our requests. Thank you that you acknowledge our prayers. That in and of itself is a sign of your grace. So, Lord, thank you that we are your children, and thank you that you are our Father. We love you. We worship you. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.